Hey, listen to Commander Kickout Podcast, episode 41. I am Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to run down Commander as a supported format as we look forward to the start of our brand new arc. Now hit our theme song! We're back from another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? I'm good. What's going down? Whole tons going down. We're going to be looking at the history of Commander as it's been supported by Wizards mm. of the Coast. Yep. In a little bit of a, what do we call them? A setup episode for the arc that we will be talking about over the next few weeks. I guess, yeah, an intro, an intro setup type episode. That's right, for the new arc. Yes. So we're going to go over a whole bunch of Commanders. So I guess no list today, but we are going to talk about a lot of stuff that... Uh, it's going to be lots of fun. Uh, yeah, and nostalgic, trip back in time, which I always appreciate when we do um, magic trip backs in time, whether it be the show or, you know, going through old boxes or binders like we talk about um, yep. at the store and finding old gems like uh, last week's Purgatory. Yeah, or before that's Mundungu. Love Mundungu, that's yeah. for sure. Or listening to a Snow-Covered Lands podcast. We haven't talked about oh, those guys in a long well, time. They, they've but... kind of a little bit fallen off the map. Get back on the map. Yeah. Well, I mean, their shows are still good. They're still there. They're still there. So Certainly. And they're worth listening to. Yep, for sure. Before we get into all of it, though. Social media coordinates? That's what I was going to say. Excellent. So, social media coordinates. We are CCO Podcast on Twitter or tappedout.net. That's where you can see any of the lists that we've talked about in the past. We'll talk about in the future. No list today. We are commandercookout at gmail.com. You can send us show suggestions, questions, comments, feedback, love mail, hate mail, no nudes. Or you could send nudes. Back to saying no nudes, right? We are also Commander Cookout on iTunes, Google Play, Google Machine, Podomatic, where we are still working to take down the scrapbook and ninnies. We are also Commander Cookout on Commander Society, EDHREC.com, Patreon, and YouTube. Very excellent. Ooh, and I tried this last week. If you're listening on YouTube, remember to crush that like button. We're going for yes. two likes on this episode. So make it happen for us. We get likes and views on YouTube. Nice. Thanks for listening or watching. And subscribers. Also neat. Uh, Yeah, it is kind of like listening because it's just our logo, but it's technically watching. YouTube calls them views. That's what we're sticking with. Excellent. Okay. So that's how you find us. We're everywhere. Shout outs. I'm going to say new arc means new giveaway, but it's technically the same giveaway that we talked about last week. You can like, subscribe, follow, favorite, share, retweet, whatever it is, that'll get you an entry. You can become a patron. Any level of patron gets you free entries based on your patronage. What did you call it last week? Patronosity. Patronosity. Yes. Big time shout out to Jason Hurd and Chris the Fist Flynn. They're our highest contributors per show. Thanks, guys. So shout out to those guys. I think we've done shout outs to them before, but uh, Chris the Fist actually won the last contest. Yeah, well, he was one of three winners. Yes, very much so. So, pays to be a patron. And also, thank you to, he made a nickname for us, for him. What? Nate the Great. That's his patron name. Nice. Yeah, Nate the Great. It would be awesome if Nate the Great fought Chris the Fist Flynn. Wow. We could just duct tape their hands together and give them empty beer bottles. (laughs) Anyways. First gotta die, loses. Yes. And also loses the contest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, winner wins the contest. Also, the, the, the Joshua content. Joshua L., that was the last new patron I wanted to shout out. Josh L. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, get a better nickname. By the way, contest, we're making a Sliver Queen Planeswalker. Oh, yeah, forgot yeah. to say that. So send in your Sliver Queen Planeswalker. It doesn't have to be a full proxy. It doesn't have to be original art. Just 
How much does it cost? What colors is it? What are her abilities? How many abilities are there? Why are you doing that? Take any five-color sliver, sharpie what the actual Planeswalker ability is right onto it, and send it to us. Yeah. That would be awesome. Do it. Yeah. yeah. We'll make a sweet, funny altar and send it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a background. A little bit of background before we get into the new arc and the title and what it's about and stuff. We've been asked a few times, and we had Joel on, Joel of F.U. Joel. F.U. Joel. A couple weeks ago to talk about Tier 1 Yidris list. I loved the list. It was great. I liked having a guest on. and I hated talking about Doomsday. Ah, uh, yeah. I hate Doomsday. Yeah. Love that it, that it exists, but I hate the card. Yep. Yeah. So we've been asked a couple times, let's hear more about our friends, our play group, the people that we interact with. We are, uh, I think, very social group. We do things outside of magic. We hang out. We've been to a bunch of each other's weddings. A um, bunch of us have kids now that have come to not play magic, but have come over to magic and we're familiar with each other's wives, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we've decided that we want to call this and do a friendship arc. Oh, isn't that, isn't that a nice little rainbow? I know, yeah. We, we talk shit about our friends all the time, but it's all out of good, clean, brotherly love. Yep. And I think we're even going to feature some of their decks. Yes, I think that is the plan. So for each kind of member of our, our group that shows up, we're going to feature their most them deck, and you get to see all kinds of different stuff. There's We have theme builders, we have combo players, we have whatever they have laying at the house and they never buy Ooh, new cards. Yes. We got one of those. But oddly enough, he still wins sometimes. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yes, you, damn you. And we'll get to who that is later. Ooh, teaser. I, I, think it's, I think it's the most fair to say, whoever's got a list loaded into tapped out or deck stats or something, or who's ever willing to physically give us their deck. <laughs> yeah, that's who we're going to talk about. That's who we'll talk about first. Little bit of a, a background on us. I know that we did in our bonus episode talk about us outside of the cast before, but again, we're just going to cover it. Brando started playing Magic in Tempest? Stronghold. Stronghold. Uh, that's kind of like Tempest. Yeah, Same block. Of, yeah. I started playing in Masks block, which is ironic because that's Brando's favorite block. Yeah. My favorite block is when I first got into Magic like got into it heavy, was Invasion. So we've got like 40 years of Magic playing combined experience. Not together. We went, we met what, in 2007? I think so, yeah. Seven? Sitting on the floor of a card shop in Saskatoon. We didn't know each other. He didn't really talk to me. And we were both digging through some common box. I was looking for like something to build a sapperling deck or fairies because it was during Lorwyn period. Right. And I don't know what you were looking for, if you remember. Oh, probably garbage from Ravnica. I was always looking for Ravnica junk. Probably. Yeah. You're still always looking for Ravnica junk. <laughs> yes, I am. Or masks junk. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. So that's how we met. I actually ended up getting invited to Brando's house from my buddy Geoff, who I've got his name highlighted a lot on the notes today because he's a pretty stout brewer himself. It was his buddy, Jesse, F.U. Jesse. F.U. all day. Yeah, it was it was Jesse's buddy, Brando or Jesse's buddy Smitty who invited Jesse who invited Geoff who invited me and then eventually I invited F.U. Joel and like it was like this huge thing that just turned into a few dudes playing magic we had two different Ben's a Dan who was a very competitive player he's um, very he's still very good yeah D Joel became a very competitive player so did Ben so did Joe we don't talk about Joe very much F.U. Joe F.U. Joe you better invite us to your wedding or else yeah we're crashing it yeah because we're going we're going to be there bud. It's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. So we've got all these people, all these characters that you don't have a face to, but we do. We're going to help give you a face so you understand where we're coming from in some of our 
likes, loves, dislikes in magic, both on the table, socially, why we drink as much as we do, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so that's what this arc is going to be about. It's lots of fun, uh, lots of friendship, backslap, and that kind of stuff. But first, we've got to talk about how Commander made our group the way that it did. This is also kind of a precursor to anybody who wants their decks featured on the show. Maybe this will encourage you to send some deck lists in. Ooh, yes. Very much so. Yeah. Before we started playing Commander... We dabbled a little bit, but by and large, we were a casual kitchen table group. When you talk about our kitchen table group, a lot of us played competitively. Good. I used to be one of them. Yeah, me too. Then we stopped and, you know, got jobs or started playing Commander and took some of our casual decks apart and just lent out Commander decks. And it was something that we just played maybe once a night or once every couple weeks when we met on Thursday nights. It became more and more popular. I built one and then I built another one. I shared one with Jesse. We played. Stayed over at his house way too late one night and ended up winning the game. He's pissed off. <laughs> then Jesse built one. Smitty built one. Brandle built one. And then Son every- of the Erdragon. What a oh, bad yeah, idea Oh, yeah. Look at you. A piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. That's when I started. Uh, I built Baron Master Wizard and it played Talarian Academy and Emrakul. Yeah, who's the piece of shit now? Yeesh. My second deck was Sliver Overlord. It's probably still me. Uh, I built Mono White Iona. Yeah. See, this is this is where we're coming from, right? Yeah. Somebody had a Gaddock Teague deck for a while, too. Yeah. And now look at us. We're playing Noran the Wary and Kami of the Crescent Moon <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Mistform Ultimus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's kind of how it started. That was back... Like, we played Magic together for a couple of years at that point. Yeah, 2007, for a few, yeah. 8, 9, 10. Like, that's a lot of time to be playing together. We all started real jobs. Smitty had a kid. Jesse got... I got married. Nah, that was after. See, it's it's all jumbled together by now. But in 2011, something happened. Yes, big thing, big thing. November, specifically, Wizards came out with Commander. And with Commander came a whole announcement of... We are going to cater to this format. It's going to be a thing. Because they had released Arch Enemy and Plane Chase, and we full-heartedly adopted Plane Chase. Oh, Plane Chase is amazing. Yeah. When they said, we're going to do Commander, it's going to be part of our rolling summer or winter release or whatever. At the time, they were rotating Arch Enemy, Plane Chase, Commander, Plane Chase again. And then they said, scrap it. We're not doing Arch Enemy or Plane Chase anymore. It's just going to be Commander. Yeah. And that's when it showed up. That's when we said, okay, this is a thing. We all bought in. We got. We started getting the commander cards. It started to drive the price up on things. And that's when, you know, everybody starts building their second deck, their third deck, their fourth deck. So what we're going to do is highlight from C11 to, let's say, 17. Yeah, 17, we got a little bit of a... The greatest hits. Yeah. Yeah? I want to start, of course, C11. That's the start. There was 15 new legendary creatures here, and that was the thing, right? Wedge colors. Yes. Um, if you flip the back of a magic card over, the three colors that touch each other are the tri-colors, and the two colors that touch each other and the one across from it, that makes a wedge shape. So if you look at the blue, red, green wedge, our boy, Animar. First guy on the list. Uh. He was episode 11, we did a list on him. He was our combo list. Very much so. I would love to do him again. Ah, Brando's giving me the look. No, it's not the look. It's just you son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I love him. 1-1. One, one. We're not going to go into all of them, but because he's the first, I love the art, love the ability. Pro-black, pro-white. He's a competitive guy. Tier he's 1, tier 1.5. Very high up on the list. Moving down, I mean, there was there was also Bassandra Battle Seraph. She was new, but not really worth note other than the beautiful art by Therese Nielsen. 
That's very nice. But she was kind of yeah. She, you know what she did in 2011? She cemented the Boros Legion. I know Boros already existed, and it was our it was already like this righteous agro weenie army strategy. But she was like, "Yep, you're still gonna do it." Then the next Boros commander, "Yep, you're still gonna do that same strategy." Then the next one, same thing. One same thing, thing that I think this really highlights too. I'll, I'll read her real fast. She's a four four flyer for three red white. Players can't cast spells during combat, and red target creature attacks this turn a fable. Now, if you compare that to something like Animar, you see that Boros is kind of the color in the commander products that I would argue kind of get shafted the most. Very much so. Typically, they are the worst. And when you even look at them outside of commander, the worst. In, in If you look at them outside of the commander products, worst, because who's using legends for anything other than commander? these days and all the boros ones do the same thing they just want you to attack with your weenie legion and that's not that powerful considering they don't let you draw cards as well as blue black or green and when you're playing another kind of legion color like green white or even red green you're gonna have a legion over there too and they're probably all gonna be bigger than zombies the yeah the longest and most well-supported tribe in all of magic yeah right even if it's mono black zombies you're gonna be drawing more cards speaking of green black blue sorry yeah damia sage of stone was commander 2011 yeah we did her she was our uh, spiciest episode our relentless rats deck very much so in the arc of the unexpected yeah and she's got death touch for a four four and she lets you draw cards up to seven each turn very good there was also, you, you just scrolled past. Edric, Spymaster of Trust, for a long time, was a very competitive commander. Not so much anymore. Uh, whenever a creature deals combat damage to one or more of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. So any time anybody deals damage to anybody except yourself, that person draws a card. It also sort of normalizes cards that mention having more than one opponent. Because typically magic wasn't really multiplayer yeah. until yeah. In, unless Chase you, and Arch Enemy Exactly. You used to see cards that say any opponent, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the greatest. Now if it doesn't say any opponent, if it says an opponent, you're like, oh, this is not even playable. And this is stupid. Like Stuffy yeah. Doll is one guy. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if Stuffy Doll was reprinted for six, and any time it took damage, it dealt damage to target opponent, very as opposed so. to when it comes in, it picks one? Yeah. Get on that, Wizards. Yeah, very much so. C18. So what else of note do we have? We've got Gave, Guru of Sports. You and Geoff both built that deck. That we both built one, and then we b- rebuilt mine into our Project Atraxa list. Very much. A little bit ago with Fungatraxa. You can look her up as well. Yep. Fungatraxa, I think, is the name of the list on our Tapped Out page. Yes. Tappedout.net forward slash CCO podcast forward slash Fungatraxa. Kalia of the Vast. Yeah, she's the... Give this bitch a read because she, yeah, everybody hates her. Yeah, she's the big beater of the one. She's the only reason anybody bought... She's uh, the Atraxa of 2011. Yes, she is. She really is. So Calia the Vast is a 2-2 two, two for 4, and it's 1 white, black, red, flying. Whenever Calia the Vast attacks an opponent, you may put an angel, demon, or dragon creature card from your hand into play, tapped and attacking that opponent. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you ramp her out turn 3, and then you... Proceed to drop, you know, eight, nine, ten drops for the rest of the game. Smitty and Geoff both play her, or have built her in the past. And Big Ben. And Big Ben. There we go. Very much so. Carador, Ghost Chieftain, another very notable. Little Ben plays him. That he lets you get things back from your graveyard. Yeah, little Ben plays him. So does JJ. Oh, Nin the Pain Artist. I built her. Nin the Pain Artist. Let, give her a read because she was. A, she's kind of competitive, isn't she? I'm not. Sure. I really. She's a one v one card. I think. I really like her. Nin the Pain Artist is a one one for blue red. 
X, blue, red, tapped. Nin, the pain artist, deals X damage to target creature. That creature's controller draws X cards. Another good include with Stuffy Doll. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know what? Last week we mentioned green, red, blue, or teamer is what it's called now. You had mentioned something about teamer. Is Riku your new build? Are you building Riku? Nope. <gasps> who is it? You know who it is. We talked about him. Episode four. <laughs> the, deck was, the deck was terrible. It was werewolves. It's Serac Dragonclaw. Oh, Serac. I'm going to turn Serac into a bunch of trampling, hasty clones. Whoa. Whoa. Very excellent. It's going to be awful. We're doing it. Who else came out in 2011? You know what? Here, here's here's two more that came out in 2011 that get next to zero love, and I wish this wasn't the case, but Ruhan of the Fomori is a 774 Jeskai and one, so that's blue, white, red, and one. He attacks each turn and attacks at random. That's probably why he doesn't get a lot of love. I know, but I think that he should. Yeah, he's he's kind of, he's a 7-7. He's a classic. And then Skullbriar, another classic. No, I've played him in lots of decks, but never as a commander. I think he is like, he is the infect commander, I think. So let's give him a read. He is a zombie elemental for black, green, 1-1. One, one, haste. Whenever he does combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on him. Counters remain on Skullbriar as it moves into any zone other than your hand or your library. So you give him infect, you proliferate him, and then you just keep beating ass with him every time you play him. And... Prior to, when he came out, and I think the reason maybe he kind of didn't get as much traction is back when he came out, tuck was still a thing and bounce was still a thing. So you could tuck or bounce a commander and it wouldn't go back to the command zone and he'd lose all his counters and, and you'd have to find him again. And in fact was not a thing. Yeah. So he was Very just, so. he was just not good. You know, it was, was a thing. His art, sick. Yes. That Very is excellent. Awesome. It's like a tree that's going to steal your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Terriel, Reckoner of Souls as well. Another uh, Mardu, another clan or wedge color at the time that had zero love. Because Terriel was terrible. And she's still terrible. She's a 4-7 for 7 that puts a random dude from your graveyard into play. Ah, uh, yeah. The awesome random. Awesome art again. Excellent But art. they had red in there, so they're like, oh, let's make it random. Yeah. And then I think the last one that I think just kind of vanished. I know that Jeff played him for a long time. The Mimeoplasm. The Mimeoplasm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets power equal to the power and toughness, power and toughness equal to something in your graveyard and abilities of another thing in your graveyard, right? Yeah. So he's very cool. He's kind of a cloney thing. He has a T-Rex for an arm. Let's say that again. Say it again. The, let me be clear. He doesn't have a T-Rex arm. He has a T-Rex for an arm. And that is awesome. Yes. Nothing is cooler than that. Yep. Nothing. So, of course, there was plenty of other commanders in there. Um, maybe the last one of note, Zedru the Greathearted, lets you donate something to somebody else, and then you actually get to draw cards and gain life equal to the amount of permanence that you've donated away. Cool list. Dan used to have one. Yes, he did. It was a cool kind of uh, group hug, but not deck. Yeah, that deck can really sneak up behind you and take your pants off and plow you from behind. Yes, yes. And he's a goat. This is a minotaur, but it looks like a goat. With boobs. Yeah. Send nudes of Zedru. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. 2011. Lots of note. Lots to go. Now, moving along, we missed 2012, kind of, as kind they of. sort of combined plane chase into Commander and did like a joint thing. And yeah. It was kind of neat, but... They gave us three specific gifts that are a very, very much of note. They gave us Maelstrom Wanderer, which has Cascade, Cascade, and is an 8-drop. In teamer colors, 
Very good. And gives all your creatures haste. Nothing to shake a stick at. This guy, for a long time, was a very competitive commander. Yes. He's since fallen out of favor slightly, but only slightly, and only because he costs eight. Yes. And since 2012, there's been a lot more development in commander deck building stratagem and ramp spells that help him really stay kind of at the forefront. Yes. Very good. It also gave us Thromok, which had Devour X. Yeah. He gets plus X plus X for X number of Devour E's. Yes. Very easy to make him like an 100-100. Yeah, super easy. Generally, when you play Thromok, he has a one-pump chump immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Very immediately. It's nuts. And then the other one of note, Vela, the Nightclad, we covered her in our Demir Ground and Pound list episode, I think 20, no, 30. Eight, nine? I don't remember. Yeah, but she's also another one that's of note. But we're going to kind of gloss over that one because it wasn't really a Commander product. They hadn't quite clued into the fact that people wanted to play Commander. Or they just started to and were like, yeah, here, let's throw these Commander players a bone just to sell more shit. Yes. Then we move on to 2013, and what you have is what I think, this is just me personally, is the Forgotten Years because I think this set is terrible. You think? I think it's awful. I think there's definitely some some in, some notable includes. Let's see. Let's see who's good. Let's, let's, let's I, I think. Hold, hold on. Before we even look, I think that 13 gave us what ended up being wizards overstepping their boundary. Commander 13 was like, "Hey, this is what you want, right?" And then everybody was like, "Holy shit! No, this is this is not." They gave us specifically Derevi, Jaleva, Nekuzar, Aloro, and Prosh. <sighs> Three of those five are arguably all of those could be competitive commanders. Three of them for sure in four player are tier one, 1. 1.5, right? Looking back to Arc of Escalation of a couple weeks ago, Prosh was a tier one commander. Jaleva was a tier one storm commander. Derevi's a three drop that you can just put onto the battlefield from the command zone. Like, is that what we wanted? No. And then Nekuzar, nobody likes to play against Nekuzar. Wheel.deck, every time you draw a card you take a damage and we do that because joe plays him joe plays him for sure and he's got a hell of a, uh, a nekuzar list Aloro was the first guy ever to say if it's in the command zone you gain life alex played him i played him with lab maniac that's a tier one kind of shell and it was the first time that there was something that was so non-interactive it actually made me angry yeah yeah so let's let's read Aloro because he actually does a whole bunch of different stuff. Aloro, Ageless Ascetic, is a four five for six, including white, blue, black. At the beginning of your upkeep, you gain two life. Whenever you gain life, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card and draw a card, and each opponent loses one life. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Aloro, Ageless Ascetic, is in your command zone, gain two life. He's ageless. Yeah, and no matter what's that, you're gaining two life every turn, all the time, forever. Yeah. F. And then he also has a secondary ability where if he's in play, he also accelerates you and damages your opponents. What a piece of shit. But you look past those guys, and you have either ones that are just nobody really cares about, like, Marath. Marath of the Wild's good. The other thing that I th- I think Wizards kind of... Uh, another way that they overstepped beyond power level for the Tier 1 or Tier 1.5 guys we talked about, they also overstepped in giving us something that was too powerful for its converted mana cost. So even though the thing might not have done something that was better than anything else in the game of Commander and Magic, they gave us something that was like, this is how much better we can make cards for 
three mana. We we just assume that nobody's going to play shock lands and dual lands and fetch lands and lands and lands and lands and spend $5,000 on a magic deck. So here's your three drop that goes infinite with anything, but you got to pay three different colors of mana to play it. Yeah, uh-huh. that's, that's super hard to do. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. So yeah. Marath of the Wild's got a novel of text, but basically um, enters the battlefield with a number of plus ones on it equal to the amount of mana spent to cast it. That was unique to 2013 as well. Yep. So it enters the first time with three counters on it because it costs white, green, red. The next time, five. The next time, seven. And essentially you remove, you pay X, remove X counters, and choose one. Put a plus one counter on target creature. Marath deals X damage to creature or player. Or create X green green elemental creature tokens. And that last one where you remove X and create X creatures, you can then sacrifice them to whatever, Ashnod's altar, and pay X, remove X counters to put that many more counters back on him. Go infinite. Yep. Right? So he's just, he ended up being very broken. Yeah. And he's just, and nobody really plays him. He's just, he's broken as hell, but nobody plays him because why would you? Who else was in this set? Nekusar we talked about, Alora we talked about, Prosh is also very good. Then you got Rune of the Hidden Realm. There's another kind of do-nothing... Yeah, just kind of a do-nothing guy. Rubina, Soul Singer. She was a reprint from days gone by. Shroom fell out of favor, right? Ooh, Shatter Gang Brothers. I'm surprised that you never built that deck. I wanted to, but he's just... That's 3-3, three, three, one and... What is that? It's Jund. There one and Jund. One yeah. and Jund. And then it's two in black, sack a dude, each other player sacks a dude. Two in red, sack an artifact, each other player sacks an artifact. Two in green, sack an enchantment, each other player I don't want to sack my artifacts and my enchantments. He's very grindy. He's very staxy. He's a control general. Yeah. He's not a play a bunch of goblins and beat wholesale ass with them. He's a fucking stacks card. It's such a tease. <laughs> He's the goblin I always wanted, and I can't goddamn play him. Uh, that's right. F you wizards. Coming up next in kind of the dudes that you kind of don't... Sidri, Galvanic Genius. Oh, yeah, she was a 2013 specific. That's right. Yep. And nobody she, nobody in our group played her. No, she's just kind of there. Who else was new? Who else was new? I think that was the last new that's, one. That's the last new one. Thrax of Mundar was in there, but he was in Alara Reborn. Yeah, he I was think, in Alara uh, card. Joe has a Thrax deck, right? Jesse. Jesse? Yep, and we know somebody that played Mail of the Anima as well. She was also in here, but she was a reprint from Alara as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Lots of Alara reprints. Yeah, Alara at that time was... <laughs> Three or four years old. Yeah, and it had all. Well, it had the whole like multicolored set, right? Oh yeah, like, lots of no opportunity s- to reprint some good commanders. Yeah, that was those were cool. I like those. They also had the all foil packs in Alara. They did oh, lots I of forgot neat stuff. about those. I wish I would have bought more of those. Yeah, for open flippy dot drinky. Oh yeah, we'd be just hammered all the time. Yeah, it'd be just fifteen shots right there. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's twenty thirteen. So you have the decks that nobody bought, like the infinite guy that nobody played from the Naya colors. Two guys like Nekusar. Going on to the next year, we got the first like, kind of regular year where they started doing something unique with each deck that they never did again, mm. which is both a blessing and a curse because uh, a lot of them are kind of neat. But of course, we're, we're talking about the Planeswalkers that you could use as commanders. Very cool. A blessing in that they didn't just put that line of text on every planeswalker that they ever printed since 2014 because that would have been terrible good god but a curse because they were very unique and and it it offered us another way to play and a fun way to play that uh, i'm looking at duretti right now and evan in our own play group has a duretti deck and 2014 commander product along with felden of the third path 
<clears throat> third path in the same deck because they only did monocolor decks that year started doing something that red never really had a hand in in mass and that was starting to play around with artifacts in the graveyard and red became kind of like blue used to be and now artifacts in and out of the graveyard recurring comboing that's a red thing now neat yeah and it started with the duretti deck evan's got a duretti deck i play felden in my bryon stout arm deck yep. that uh flings artifacts then gets them back from the graveyard and flings them again brian stout arm was in uh Commander 2011. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. And the other notable one, I think, Freyalise from last week. Yeah, we talked about her. She was a commander. She's the one that makes the Lanmore Elf tokens and then draws you a bunch of cards and stuff. Very much so. Another but, cool card that came out of this, we're just kind of looking as I scroll down, Ghoulcaller Gissa is a really good card. Uh, I very much like her, and I would like to play her in a zombie deck, but I just can't bring myself to make another zombie deck. I want to do something different. Yeah. Because I already got a Balthor the Defiled deck. But she's very cool and has some some pretty sweet art on her as well. I just mm -hmm. wanted to note her real quick. Very much so. I wanted to talk about, of course, there's Nahiri the Lithomancer, Obnixilis of the Black Oath. Those are the white and black Planeswalker commanders, but the one... JJ plays Obnix, just as a Oh, yeah, aside. he does. Yep. So That's we have right. Obnix in the deck, yep. in, the, in the group. Tefri Temporal Archmage is the blue one, and he's actually a tier one guy as well from Arc of Escalation. We did talk about him a little bit in the Sliver Queen episode. And underneath her is the green one. We have Titania, Protector of Argoth. And both of these guys, I th or Protector of... Yeah, Titania, Pro Protector of Argoth is a creature, not a Planeswalker, but she is a character that I think from way earlier in the history of Magic before Planeswalkers were cards, and here we have one of them as a Planeswalker card. And I think that... As a creature card. Yeah, and if they kept printing these Planeswalkers in Commander that you can play as Commander, they could just be shitty versions of them, but you could actually have... You could go back and do some of those ones that they've never done, like Wind Grace. Very much so. Or they could reprint ones that they did and forgot about, like all the guys that they left on Amonkant, and all the guys that they left back in Ravnica, and all the guys that they left in New Kamigawa, whatever the hell it was called. And they could kind of... Keep us updated on what are they doing. Like, what's Narset doing now? What's yep. that or, sea or lady doing? Or fill in a lot of the blanks. And you know what? At the top of the show, we didn't mention what this product helped do for players that are very long tenure like us. For the first time ever in 2014, we saw Titania. I don't know about anybody else, but I read the Brothers War book like when I was in high school, and I read about Argoth. That's one of the places that the Brothers' War between Urza, Planeswalker, and Mishra took place. And Titania was there. And after all these years, like 20 years later, I got a Titania card. Very cool. That is important. All these years later, I got a Tefri Planeswalker card. Yeah, like we've had Tefri before, but never as a Planeswalker, which is what he was. He used time manipulation to suspend an animation people out of the end of the world and saved a whole bunch of people and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and here so he is. So important stuff happened in, in 2014 there for sure, along with all the other commander years. Yes. So moving on from them, we move into the next year, which is 2015. 2015 was the next level of shit that you can't interact with, as Brando says. Oh. And this gave players experience counters. These are the worst of the worst. Yeah, you don't like these ones very much. This is the worst of the worst. We've got one in front of us here. Daxos the Returned. Brando's going to give him a read. Daxos the Returned is a 2-2-4-1 white-black. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain an experience counter. Huh. Then you pay one black-white. Put a white and black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. It has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. That doesn't sound 
so bad. That one is probably the weakest one. That's probably the fairest of them all. So let's just go to the next card on the list, which is called Azuri Claw of Progress. He's a 3-3 for 2 green-blue. Whenever a creature power 2 or less enters the battlefield under your control, you get an experience counter. So playing creatures with power 2 or less, actually very easy. Because you're playing elves, probably. Or infect. Yeah. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on another target creature, where X is the number of experience counters you have. Also pretty good with infect, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And you do that every turn. Also pretty good when you consider that four of the experience counter commanders go in the Atraxa deck. Yeah. And you can Atraxa proliferate your experience counters while playing infect or enchantment control or whatever other experience counter shenanigans you want to play, like Marin of Clan Neltoth. She, for a long time, was the second most popular commander on EDHREC.com behind Aloro. We forgot to mention that. Yes, we did. Aloro, very important commander. Earlier on, we talked about this. Let's talk about how green and white, or red, red-white, gets the shaft. Let's talk about Calamine Disciple of Eroas. Iroas. Whatever. <laughs> I just wanted to say ass, because that's what she is. She's a 3-3 three, three double strike vigilance for four. That's good. That's good. But let's compare her with the other stuff. Let's let's keep going here. Whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost five or greater... Because that's what you're going to do in Boros colors. In a deck that encourages you to play things that cost two or less, Kalamine, Disciple of Eros, gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. So she turns into a big, dumb idiot that dies to everything. There are so many better Voltron commanders out there. Yeah. And we've talked about a whole bunch of them. One let's, of them was Sadic Lord of Secrets. Let, <laughs> let's talk about the Voltron commander right below her, a la Karloff of the Ghost Council. Awesome. I love this guy. I have this guy in my personal deck box. So he's black-white for a legendary creature, Spirit Advisor. 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you gain life, put two plus one plus one counters on Karlov of the Ghost Council. Two! Two. And it's whenever you gain life. So every instance of life gain Puts two plus ones on him. Jeez. Okay. So black, white, remove six plus one plus one counters from Karlov. Exile target creature. Don't care. Uh, I do care. I've you, used that, that ability exactly twice. It can be handy. I exiled a blocker and then swung in for the kill. Yep. With Karlov. There you and go. hatred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very good. Well, we got a couple of I thought tease cards in this set too. That, that we had some new snakes finally reprinted, but they were both shitty commanders, and they had blue in them, so I can't play them in Sashiro. Dang, what snakes. A, including Casido Orochi Archmage, the 2-2 for 3 makes your snakes get she bigger and even, can't be blocked. She even had the word Orochi in there. Yeah. Making you think she's from Kamigawa. She's a snake with four arms. She's definitely from Kamigawa. She's a snake from Kamigawa that you can't play in the Kamigawa snake deck. Dang, I'm so polarized about Commander 2015. Ah, it was either very good or very bad. Yeah. Who else did we... Oh, oh wait. No, he's not good. There he is. Marin of Clan Nel Toth. That's another one that Alex played. Yep. Uh, and we all hated. Yes. Because... We all targeted Alex when he played it. Because she's actually very powerful because she's so grindy. And an amazing art on her too. Yeah, she's good. I like that a lot. So she's a 3-4 four for 4, uh, two of which... Or one of which is green, one of which is black. Whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. At the beginning of your end step... Choose target creature card in your graveyard. If that card's converted mana cost is less than your experience counters, it goes into play. If it's more than your experience counters, it goes into your hand. So it always does something, even if you have no experience counters. And if you have lots of experience counters... It gets it... back a Shriek Maw every turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what it does. Yeah. 
And you can evoke the Shriek mod and put it into your graveyard, kill a thing, get it back, and then all of a sudden you're going to eventually end up with a Shriek mod that you just get to keep. Yeah. Just Shriek Maw will turn into a recurring removal engine. Yeah. That event. Yeah. God damn, son of a bitch. Under her, we have the reason that I hate this set. This this mechanic, the experience counter mechanic. Which we did a deck tech on. Yes, we did. This was the I'm a piece of shit net decker deck. Mizzix of the Ismagus. Makes all your X spells basically cost free. So he is a goblin wizard 2-2 two, two, for red, blue, 2. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost greater than the number of experience counters you have, you get an experience counter. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each experience counter you have. So if that thing costs X, it's always going up. And yep. there's lots of good X spells in red and blue as Very we... Very much so. And then we get uh, into free, take, another, take two turns for two. For two. This guy was, I think, from what I've heard and read and seen and blah, 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 this guy was wizards balancing out the abortion of a card that is Animar. Soul of Elements. <laughs> because Animar and Mizzix do the same thing. Mizzix for spells, Animar for creatures. Uh, they are essentially, the deck does the same thing. It's powering out its commander on turn two. It's comboing you to death on turn three or four. And he is the only house band commander. I'd still play him. I'm just yeah. not interested because I already play Animar. Yeah, he's been bad. I think we could probably bring him in now with the power level of our decks. And it'll be so. okay. But I just don't want to open that can of worms. He's banned, he's banned. Band, band, ba band, ba band, band, band. Yeah. So I guess very polarized. I mean, I either loved 15 or hated 15. I mostly hated 15, mostly just because of the non interactiveness of the experience counters. Especially since with Atraxa and Proliferate, which was around these times, you can tick up your own experience counters, but there's nothing that I can well, do. Well, Atraxa wasn't, but Proliferate was. Yeah. You can proliferate your own stuff. You can contagion engine your own experience counters, but there is nothing I can do to make you have less of them. You just, if you're playing Clan, Noth, Marin, you just get a free dude every turn. And there's nothing I can do about it apart from kill Marin. And, and kill the dude. But then you're playing removal.deck, and how do you win? Yeah, then I'm just wasting all of my efforts on killing a thing that you can just play every goddamn turn. I suppose, I mean, we don't talk about it much, but that goes into, I mean, how how we play Commander and the political aspects of the game. And, and we knew when Alex played Marin of Clan Neltoth that the deck was good and we needed to get rid of Marin when she hit the table so he couldn't get experience counters. And he always got so mad. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. it's his it's his thing, right? That's what his deck wanted to do and we didn't let him play that game. Yeah. We, right? And we really didn't. We would go after him pretty hard. Very much so. Merciless. So moving from that, we have 2016. 2016 gave all of the EDH community a gift. <laughs> A, he gave me the look. Yeah. You know what this the gift time is. Did. What's um, the gift? Partner commanders. Yeah, what's the real gift, Ryan? Say her name. Just say it. Just say it. Atraxa. Yeah. I was gonna I was trying to think of somebody else that was I should have said Saskia, but she's a air quotes a gift too. She's one of the best one V one aggro commanders out there. Yes. Twenty sixteen sure did a lot for Commander. It's it's I think it's when, okay, if 2011 is when Commander showed up for all the people who are already playing it or dabbling in it, 2016 is when everybody who wasn't playing Commander showed up to play Commander. It also was kind of Wizards showing that they were listening in that they gave you four-color Commanders, which didn't exist to that point. Very much so. And a lot of people wanted, I don't know why a lot of people wanted them, just play five colors. They wanted four. It's, it's, like, um, it's like rounding out the 
the color pie, I guess. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. 2016 is when you started to see a lot of Commander-specific staples in foil jump up so hugely in cost, like English versions of them. Yep. 2016 is when you saw Commander cards on the reserve list, buyouts, and Commander-specific buyout cards jump hugely in price. And, of course, that's when EDH Rec started to really come into its own. And that's, well, 2015, kind of. That's why Marin and, and Alora were so popular on EDH Rec for so long. And then Atraxa came out and just blew them out of the water. Like, before she was even out, she was already ahead of Alora and Marin. Yeah, she was already the most popular commander. And she hadn't even been printed yet. Yeah. There are no physical copies of her in existence yet. And she was already the number one <laughs> yeah. commander. F so you, Atraxa. That's when, that's when I think everybody came to play commander, right? Yes. So you get a track, so we got... Who else did... Who, who are our other four-color dudes? And then we'll get into the partner mechanic, which also came out then. Brea, Ethereum Sculptor. Uh, Evan plays Brea. Yep. Geoff plays Brea. And Ben built her for a while, like a competitive eggs list. Let's give her a read, because yeah. I actually like her. She's all, she's kind of reminiscent of um, uh, Marath of the Wild, the Naya guy from 2013? 13, yep. yep. So she's the uh, not green one. I think that's the easiest way to say that. Yeah. White, blue, black, red. 4-4, four, 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 four. When Brea Ethereum Shaper enters the battlefield, create two blue Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Two, sacrifice two artifacts, choose one. Brea bolts a dude, or a player, I guess. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn, or gain five life. So essentially you just make infinite artifacts or infinite mana. Or both. Both, and you just bolt people to death it's on like turn playing, three or four. It's like playing Omnath, but slow, but way faster. Angry Omnath. What else did we get in here? We got a few reprints of Note. Uh, Doretti, Edric, Gave, all interesting reprints from yep. before. Hannah Ship's Navigator, originally from Invasion and never reprinted other than, no, never reprinted until after this as a judge promo, I think. So that's an actual important and good one because people like Hannah Ship's Navigator. She's a one, two, four, blue, white, one, originally from Invasion, human artificer, blue, white, one, tap, return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Very so good. lots of recursion engines returning artifacts to your hand every single turn. Who else do we have for four color bros in here? There's a lot of legendary guys in here. We have Kynalos and Tiro of Miletus. That's the not black one. Kianos? 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 Whatever. Either way, she's a he, they, they. Them. They are a 2-8. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Then each opponent who didn't draws a card. I don't like this card at all. I don't either. I play it in the 99 of 62 Land of Togatog. It's another land drop. Terrible. It's a group hug card. It's not our thing. Yeah. No, not mine and yours things, yeah. but notable because it is an actual non-Feldegriff group hug card in the appropriate colors plus red. Very so cool. important card. It's neat. It's good that they printed it. Yep. And then the last one is... Saskia the Unwielding. That's the not blue one, which I thought like, oh, I'm really kind of pumped for this one. Then it let yep. me down. Really? Yeah, I did. Let's give her a read. Vig haste three four for not everything but blue. Saskia the unwielding enters the battlefield. Choose a player. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player to that to a player, it deals that much damage to the chosen player. And the reason I don't like this is it's just such an fu, and it's just like a feel bad card in a I feel agree. bad way. And I don't I like agree. that. I agree. But you know what? When when all the magic players who weren't playing commander came storming in, or the people who said I want to play commander this way. 
they latched onto Saskia yep. because it's like this is why she's good in one v one because you attack the same player you chose and it deals double damage. Yeah, all of your creatures gain double strike. That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah, and it's I don't know I just ah, I just don't like it. It's good. It's super strong. Build decks around it. Play it if you want. I don't like it. I'll terminate that thing all day. You become the target at that point, and we all <laughs> we all know what Brando removal looks like. Yes. And when we get into some of the decks from later on in this arc, you're going to see a lot more Brando removal. God damn it. I think that's all for our four-color commanders. Lots of really great reprints in there, too. I really like that. Is it? Is it all of them, or is there one more? Not one. Oh, oh Yidris. Of course. of course, Yidris from two weeks ago. How did we forget him? I don't know. That's the not-white one, which I was also excited about. Yeah, and you know what? I think, honestly, I think they all lived up to their hype as being the first four colors, right? They really did. They did. Yidris is excellent. Whenever you hit a player with Yidris... Your spells gain cascade until end of turn. 5-4 Trampler for everything but white. Yes. Excellent. Saskia gives all your creatures double strike. Atraxa gives all your shit proliferate. Brea is the combo guy's wet dream. Like, yep. So is Yidris. We covered him two weeks ago. Yes, four, and we like, comboed They're all good, all and we haven't even touched on the partner commanders yet. And the partners were a really cool thing that I had talked about, I remember... Like, oh, we should just be able to play... Because I wanted to play Krenko as my commander with, like, a blue guy as backup so that I could play Intruder Alarm in my Krenko deck. And everybody was like, no, that's terrible. That's super broken. Which it totally is. Yeah. But they did print that kind of an idea where you can just pick and mix and match two commanders to get four, up to four colors of... Yeah, up to four colors or yeah. two colors or three colors. Vile Smasher the Fierce actually got banned in 1v1 when they switched to 20 life totals. Yep. Um, let's give him a read because he's actually pretty good in competitive commander. Vile Smasher is a 2-3 three for 3. Whenever you cast your first spell of each turn, Vile Smasher the Fierce deals damage equal to that spell's converted mana cost to an opponent chosen at random. And when you only have one, you know where that's going. Yeah, sorry, I meant 1v1, not not competitive. Well, 1v1, maybe in competitive. Well, Who remember knows? he got banned in, in the 20 life 1v1 format, right? Yeah. So Vile Smasher was good. Thrasios and Timna is actually a tier one combination that makes it so it's green, sorry, green, blue, white, black. So it's uh, attracts the colors. It's attracts the colors, but you do get a scry on a stick and a extra card draw on another stick, and they cost a different amount of mana, so you can sacrifice them for different kinds of things. Like uh, I think we talked about it in the Yidris episode, just yep. briefly, sack them to Birthing Pod. To get you can dudes. find a three drop and a four drop, which will combo for you. Yes, lots of three and four combo enabling creature things. Yep. So they're everything. really good. There's just lots to be seen and done oh, in. You know what? Ravels and Timna. We covered them on the no internet list on the show. Yeah, we're, that's right. That, that list still isn't on the internet. Absolutely, See, you, it's not. You can only list that we physically had the deck in front of us, and you were like, we we're like passing cards back and forth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talking about it. not many. I don't think we have any people that actually play. Oh no, tag um, teams do we? Uh, Thrasios and Timna, Little Ben plays that. That's like his competitive deck. Right, yes, and yes he does. of course, a couple of players in the group have built Atraxa, F you guys. Alex played Saskia for a while, or yep. still has. Alex moved away. That's unfortunate for us, but probably good for him because he got a job. Yeah, he got a, he was a, he's a plumber, and then he became a car salesman when there was no plumbing jobs here in Saskatoon, and now yep. he sells cars in Edmonton. More people to sell cars to. Yep, so good luck to you, Alex, and F you if you're listening, which I know you are. Certainly, yep. That brings us up to 17, I guess, right? So now we're into this, well, I guess not this year anymore. Not this year anymore, no. Yeah, we're back to 2017, which was Tribal Commanders, which everybody thought we were going to do. What did they figure they were going to do? 
soldiers, goblins, merfolk, zombies. I don't know what I else. thought. I, I didn't think it, would gonna, it was going to be the regular tribes. And they, they spoiled us kind of frequently enough for us to learn what they were. And the only weird one was uh, cats, I guess, right? Yeah, cats we'll, we'll gloss over them a little bit because it's all the most recent in people's minds, right? Everybody knows all these guys. So I guess Arabo or Arabo is, of the world. is the cat one. And these ones, another in the long line of things that are uninteractive. Brando hates them. And I want to keep the episode kind of feel good. Yeah. So I think that it's really wizard reach, wizards of the coast reaching out to say, "Hey, look at this is what makes Commander unique. We're gonna de- we're gonna start developing this new design space called the Command Zone. Like you could, do you remember the feeling that you got the first time you ever read Pull from Eternity or Rift Sweeper, where it says you can take something out of exile and put it back into your hand or graveyard? The first time you read one of the Wishes Odyssey block. Take yeah. something from your sideboard, put it into your hand. Pretty cool. Like, what the hell? It was either really cool, or it was like, what the hell? That, you can't do that. That's the sideboard. Or that's exile. You can't bring it back. That's the command zone. That's where it's supposed to stay when it dies, not where you're supposed to do something from, right? It's just new design space. And some of it, like Erebo, we argued on the show one time, and yep. one time when we were drunk, yep. that <laughs> it was too overpowered. And in a four-player, 40-life format... Erebo's ability isn't, but in a two-player, 20-life format like Competitive Commander or 1v1 is now, it is very powerful. Why don't you give him a read? Eminence is the ability. Eminence. At the beginning of combat on your turn, Erebo or the Wild is in your command zone or on the battlefield. Another target cat you control gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. And it has another relevant ability where if it actually is in play, whenever another cat you control the tax, you may pay one green white. If you do, it gains trample and gets plus X plus X where X is its power. So, so now that two two for one cat that you played becomes a five five, which becomes a ten ten trampler. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. Especially in a twenty life form at one V one. Yeah. Essentially giving your cat double strike. Yeah, and it's a two two. Then you just cast Berserk on it after that for twenty they're dead. Yeah. Every single one of your creatures will do ten damage. For three mana every turn, provided that's, it doesn't get removed. That's really good. That's very, very good. So that's Erebo. He, uh, and he's a 5-5-4-5. Five, five, five. Green, white, three. Yep, So very that's good. good. The eminence thing was something they printed on the leaders of each of the decks. Yeah, on the leaders of each tribe, I guess. And they gave you two... Auxiliary guys. Auxiliary guys, both of which did something different and were very cool, I thought. I liked all of the auxiliary guys in the commander decks. Like, every single one of them. Yes. Here's another one. The next one is Edgar Markov. He's the one that makes a vampire whenever you play a dude. So Whether he's in play or your command zone. Yep. Next was Inala, Archmage Ritualist. That's a fairly strong one in Grixis. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever a non-token wizard enters the battlefield under your control. You can pay one and get another wizard. Yes. It's yep. pretty good. And then they all have relevant other abilities as well. But the Eminence one is, or the Eminence mechanic in general is what me and Brando's beef was. Yes. And each tribe had one the dragon one arguably is i think as far as commander is concerned the strongest because it gives you the highest top end and in a four five six player commander game the top end of your curve and the top end of your game or how your deck plays i think is the most important thing and it also takes dragons from being over over costed to being correctly costed for actually playing them yes but it doesn't make them any less strong when you do play them 
Uh, yes, it no. doesn't say that they cost one less and get minus one or two. It, ter- My- it takes your 6-6 six, six flying trample for six and turns it into a 6-6 six, six flying trample for five. Very good. And we, are, of course, are talking about the Ur-Dragon. We're going to give him a read here. The Ur-Dragon is a 10-10 for nine eminence. As long as it's in play or in the command zone, dragon spells you cast cost one less to cast. It has flying, and whenever one or more dragons you control attacks, draw draw that many cards, then you may put a permanent card from your hand into play. What the fuck? Yeah, so powerful. It costs nine, five of which are Wooburg. F that. costs eight, because it makes itself cheaper, because it's a dragon. Other dragons. Okay. Other dragons. It costs okay. nine. It costs nine. Whew! Oh. <laughs> if it costed eight, it would have won the game. <laughs> <laughs> Of note on the Ur-Dragon, I've heard it mentioned on another podcast in the past, lots of things have scale birds or bats or trees. The Ur-Dragon has scale dragons to make him look that much bigger. Yes, and, and I love excellent. I love that he costs nine. I have this deck in my personal deck box as well. I love that he costs nine because he's so hard to cast. He just sits perched on your little command zone perch, and he just orders every other big badass dragon to go do everything for him to go it's, beat wholesale ass it's, yeah they yeah. oh they beat like costco levels of wholesale ass <laughs> the deck is very powerful <laughs> when you just do a couple tweaks and tunes on it it's got some very cool stuff in it who else was there there was one more it has the most of all oh, of the oh you're you're talking about like the other eminence guy what was the other eminence guy oh yeah we got them all yeah, there we was only them. four decks this year i forgot yeah that's a, the first year 2017 they did four decks Yes. They still charged us the same amount of money because each deck was worth more money. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. Goddamn sons of bitches. Which actually leads me into something that I wanted to mention. Before we do that, who do we have that plays anything out of... You have dragons. I'm actually building cats. I, I asked my parents for any commander deck for Christmas and they bought me cats. I think that's it was so funny and ironic one. that you got cats. Yeah, so now I have to build fucking cats. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's going to be I awesome. Think, I think Evan has cats. I think Geoff built um, Marisil the Pretender. JJ has Edgar Markov completely stock. Yeah, and it's not too bad. It holds its own sometimes. Yeah, they're very good. They're tuned. They're solid decks, which again leads into this. When Commander first started getting printed and the cards started getting more expensive, I'm looking at things like Mana Reflection, which previously were like, if you can imagine this, like $2 or $3 cards. Yeah. Mana Reflection used to be a cheap-ass card. Doubling Season used to be 20 bucks instead of 60 Bloom Tender used to be a dollar. There were yep. so many cards that cost nothing, and all of a sudden, all these janky binder rares start becoming worth all this money. And I was kind of like, stay out of my format, Wizards. Mm-hmm. Stay out of this. And the more stuff got printed, the more stuff that wasn't getting reprinted became worth. And while I'm still a little cheesed that they're not reprinting any of those things, like, why can't they just reprint Matter Reflection? Just do that. I won't be mad. Everybody who has them paid five bucks for them, I think. At least uh, in my mind, they maybe. did. Maybe. That's what I paid for all of mine. Well, nobody ever gets rid of them, so... Yeah, like, it's not a card that you'd ever trade away. nobody ever wants to spend 20 bucks on a mana reflection. Yeah, they're fun casual cards. But anyway, in spite of all of that, and you look at the value of especially this year's decks, where you're paying 40 bucks for a deck, but you're getting about $100 worth of cards on average. Yeah. As far as the actual monetary Breakdown value. if you were going to build the exact same deck. Yeah, like, if you really wanted to build that stock list, and you're getting some cards you're not going to get anywhere else, I want to say... This is just my opinion. Commander is the best supported format in Magic. You think so? I think so. Because every year we get that one product, so it's not oversaturated. Here's what it is. Here's a bunch of relevant reprints. Here's some really powerful new stuff that you guys can play around with. There's no 
It's not super limited. You can always go out and buy it. You can buy it at Walmart. You can buy it at your local game store. You can buy them online. You can buy them wherever you want them. You, you go out. You and can s- now. That's you, only that's yeah. only a thing since 2017. Yeah, but you spend what 150, 200 bucks. You get four or five hundred dollars worth of cards. You have all of the new cards, a ton of reprints that you really need. Yeah, that's and maybe true. some other stuff that you're gonna play with eventually. And there's no cracking random packs hoping that you get that one EDH card. There's no rotation. Yeah, it's not rotating when out. You talk about, when you talk about format support, I mean, it's standard. Of course that's what it is because they get a 1,000 new cards every year. Every yeah. year. But they rotate. Prices fluctuate. If that matters to you, it doesn't really matter to us anymore because our collection is stout enough. We could never buy a card in all of 2018 and still brew decks. Absolutely. Right? And I probably won't until... Well, dinosaurs are coming out in more Dinosaurs are I have to, I have to support yeah, that right. Grimlock list. Just just hold on a second. I want to go, because you were starting to lead into to the next little bit that I wanted to say. Now that we've covered kind of our likes or the greatest hits as far as new commanders went in the commander products, pros and cons. You had touched on one of the cons in that it was your format that Wizards kind of invaded. Yeah. I had touched on that when I was talking about them overstepping their boundaries in 2013 and then dialing it back. Stuff specifically too much for us. Stuff that made us gravitate to playing the game a certain way. Black-white lifelink. Black-white lifelink. Perfect example. Do you think that that kind of stuff would have happened if Commander was a format in... 1997. Like, what I mean specifically is there's no social media. There was, by and large, no real internet site other than, you know, the Duel List or Inquest Magazine. There was no edhrec.com to tell us how much far and away Atraxa is more popular than anything else. Do you think that would have been a thing? I don't think so. You don't think? Would I... you have built Atraxa? Oh, put you on the spot. Ooh. Would he, I have built He a... gave me the look like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, w- would I have built Atraxa over any of the other four? I would have, if I could have picked from the, or the five at the time, I would have bit Yidris. Yidris? I would have built Yidris before I built any of those other four, because he's doing stuff that I want to do. That's right. And you were going to build the original, like the, the vintage Vidris list, let's say, not the vintage format, that's the wrong word, the, the Vidris, the Yidris list that everyone was talking about. Yeah, we just play bomby shit into other bomby, bomby shit. shit into extra attack steps. Yidris. That yeah. was the original way people started yeah, talking about and that's what Yidris I when he got spoiled. Yeah, yeah when I was going to build him, that's what I wanted. I just couldn't find one. I couldn't find him anywhere. Yeah, because he wasn't from Commander 2017. Yeah, that's right. Okay, other thing: expensive cards into decks. We didn't go into the reprints that weren't commanders. We just went into the new commanders that came out because those, more than anything else, really shaped the format. Yeah. Right? When you talk about eminence and experience counters and planeswalker commanders, that's what shapes the format more so than, oh, you know what, they... There's Hannah Ship's Navigator. Yeah, exactly. They didn't print, you know, Chaos Warp this year, right? Like That doesn't shape the format. Chaos Warp in 2011 didn't really shape the format that much. Song of the Dryads did. When you put something like Song of the Dryads, which sees play in Legacy, or True Name Nemesis, True Name Nemesis was the exact one that made the one deck, you know, thirty dollars more than the other ones. Is that a is that a problem? Or more specifically, if you know they put four decks out again next year and one of them has a Mana Vault and one of them has a Mana Drain, one yeah. of them has a Mana Crypt, and the other one doesn't have anything. It's like, okay, one deck's worth 30 bucks, one's worth 50, one's worth 80, one's worth 100. Does that matter? I think so. Because this year, all of the lists were super comparable, I think. There weren't any that were bought. I mean, the Dragon one, obviously, was one that everybody bought. Yeah. But they weren't actually worth more than any of the other ones. Exactly. When you look at price comparisons on, like, um, 
Tapped Out or MTG Goldfish or yeah, they're, Deck they're, Stats. They're worth about the same. The Dragon was just more popular, which is fine. Yeah. And in my other life, I collect Transformers and- You're wearing we, a Transformer shirt. Yes, I am. Uh, we have a thing called Peg Warmers. And usually Bumblebee is your typical peg warmer because when you buy a box of them, you're going to get one of this guy, one of this guy, one of this guy, one of this guy, three Bumblebees. So when you go to the store, like a Walmart, you're going to see the cat deck, the wizard deck, no dragons, no vampires. And those other ones are just going to warm that shelf forever. When you went to buy 24 colors, four color year, there was no Yidris, no Atraxa. You get the other three all day long. Yeah. You could probably still get them if you went way at the back of the shelf at your local Walmart. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, probably right. still find the Those crappy guy. Those ones are guy. getting hard to find. I yeah, that's why they come out with things like Commander Anthology now, though. Yeah, Plane so when, Chase Anthology. So when they come out with stuff like True Name Nemesis in a deck that's a legacy, and there's no way they didn't know that was a legacy card. Oh, no they way. made it a Merfolk. They yeah. knew that that was going to do that. Yeah. To push people to buy the product, I'm glad they're not doing that anymore. Would you? prefer that okay back to my previous example mana crypt mana vault mana drain random other chase card that makes it worth a little bit more than msrp so you get a 40 a 60 an 80 and a 100 would you rather them put you know the hundred dollar chase card in all four decks and make all decks worth a hundred or put the ten dollar you know chaos warp at the time in all four decks and make them all worth you know msrp or a little bit above and skip out on the hundred dollar chase card I'd rather them put the $100 chase card in it and then insist that people sell them for MSRP. Not the question I asked, but probably the correct answer. Because that is what I would rather see. Because that's not Wizards not supporting a format because they're giving us Mana Vault. It's the assholes that sell the cards to us that are jacking up the price. Yeah. That's how they got to yeah. make money. Because if you could make them, get them anywhere, just sell them for 40 bucks. It didn't cost them anymore to get them. Wizards That's... isn't wholesaling that deck for an extra 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah, what if they were doing that, hey? Oh, that'd be greasy. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mr. Toy Store, um, this one, this one, this one, this one, your cost, 20 bucks. This one, 100 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what kind of Christmas is this? <laughs> okay, moving to the cons. Cons. Because I want this to be a feel-good show. This is the friendship arc. Yeah. The good part about this is we get our own official product, our official support, our own official spoiler season. Yep. This drives our friends that were on the fence to play Commander. It diversifies all the stuff that we just said about building specifically for Atraxa, building specifically for um, experience counters. This actually diversifies our format because, you know, there's four or five commanders we talk about in each year of release, but there was like 40 in one year. There's 40 different commanders or legendary creatures. There's 30 in another year. Even 2011 had like 30 different commanders. Yeah. So So it's giving us lots of new cards to play with. It's giving us things like Chaos Warp, Song of the Dryads. It's uh, it's diversifying our card pool, adding to the legacy card pool and True Name Nemesis. Yeah. Is that a thing? I guess so. Um, what else? It's it's like it's it's for us. I guess that's that sums it up. But it's that's a, kind of a bad way to say it. I don't think it is. It's a this is finally a fan created thing that's actually getting supported by Wizards because they find it profitable, and by them profiting in it, so are all of we. It's not like Popper where they'll never support Popper ever. They yeah, can't they'll make... just ban cards for it because something got printed in a master set at Common and they're like, oh shit, whoops, sorry, banned. Yeah, <sighs> and that's a sweet format. I think that Popper needs more love, but Wizards will never support it. They'll never acknowledge it ever. You got to get your it's local a, game store to do It's a thing that. online, but they'll never have sanctioned tournaments. Yeah. You can play it online, but... 
But I don't play online. Yeah, so. F playing online. Yeah, I've got I've already got meat hooks and burn in real life. What the hell do I want to buy it online for? <laughs> I guess the wrap up for the listeners, this is Arc of Friendship. We're going to be talking about some of our own friends' decks. And you're going to get a little bit more insight into our play group and what makes us so good. But we want to hear from you guys as well on Twitter, email, uh, Facebook, if we end up doing that thing. Let us know about the Facebook thing. Let us know about the Commander products. What have they done for you individually, as in individual products? Um, Did you buy one? Did you buy all? What have they done for you on the whole, your Magic playing experience, your play group, right? Maybe there's some things like... um, the episode we did a few, I guess a few weeks ago about Guy having to confront his fellow player in his playgroup. Maybe you're having issues like that that we can tackle through our own experiences in our playgroup. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's nothing for us to call another one of us out. We're all kind of adults now and we're all good friends. And we've all been in arguments, nay, throw down fights with each other over oh, the baby. things that bother us about us and it's just how it goes. Yeah, about about magic even in specific like specifically, right? Yeah, like you, me, and Evan have had some like teeth oh, but, but, but Evan's always wrong. Yeah, that's true. And you're wrong most of the time. I'm wrong, and no, I'm always right. I feel I'm always right. Uh, CCO Nation, who's right? Me or Ryan? Definitely not Evan. Not Evan though. Yeah. CCO Nation, just agree with us that Evan is wrong. Yeah. Hashtag not Evan. Yeah. <laughs> F you, Evan. So to kind of summarize, there's our history of our kind of look back at officially supported Commander and how it helped create a very tight-knit group that both inspired us to be better deck builders, be better Magic players, and inspired this neat little show we got going on here. Because without all of that stuff, I bet you we wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now. And the format that we're talking about probably wouldn't exist either. So for that, we, for a very rare occasion, we're going to thank Wizards. We're going to thank all you guys for listening, for our buddies for playing with us. And we're going to see you on the next episode, which is the first episode of the Arc of Friendship on the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song!